This episode of Second Floor Podcast is brought to you by Alberta Association of Optometrists, proudly celebrating a century of caring for Albertans. It happens. Many people don't call their optometrist first for urgent eye care when they need it. So from spring cleaning mishaps to winter eye infections, if you or your family have an eye emergency, doctors of optometry are trained to diagnose, treat, and prescribe medications. There's no referral necessary. And just a reminder, Alberta health coverage is available towards your urgent eye care appointments. To find an optometrist in your area, visit optometrist.ab.ca. The Alberta Association of Optometrists represents almost 800 doctors of optometry in over 80 communities across Alberta. Members are highly trained, regulated health professionals who provide primary eye health and vision care directly to Albertans. Learn more at optometrist.ab.ca. Jesse, yes. Thank you for coming on to the second floor, my man. I we appreciate can touch you nowadays. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. Good. This yeah. is nice, dude. I uh, we've actually wanted you on for a while, and I actually purposely have kind of waited to, to 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 have you on, <laughs> and at the same time, I've purposely for our audience who's listening, I've purposely not don't like dove into a lot of the stuff that you've been doing. Right, right, right. Cause I'm actually genuinely curious and right. it's, it's nice to be able to ask you out of genuine curiosity. Absolutely, yeah. So for our audience who's listening, I'm as genuinely curious and I wanna kind of dive deep into your story. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of starting from kind of root level, who are you, what are you about? Um, and I, and I want to kind of lay that on you first. Yeah. Who yeah. am I? That's, yeah. that's, it's a question that I've put a lot of thought into that, you know, cause I think that's a thing that sometimes people can lose sight of, or it's hard to even figure out. My answer to that is I am nothing. I am everything. I am you. I am we, I'm a fragment of the universe. I am a morsel of eternity. And I mean that to say that I feel I'm as much you as you are me, and we're so connected, and connectivity is exactly what I think life's purpose is about, and is what I desire in everything that I do, is finding that connection. It's the thing that fuels me the most. So at the very base level, I am always on a journey to find connection, uh, and journey to relate and empathize with individuals across the planet, regardless of who they are. Um, so that's the base level. On another level, I am a creative, and I'm an artist, yeah. A father and a husband and a lover of love and taking chances. Uh, I guess the, big, the biggest chance is not taking one, in my opinion. But uh, that'll be that next level. Um, and then the last smallest level is I'm a competitor. Mm. I love c competing, whether that's against myself, somebody else, uh, and just pushing limits as far as I can. Mm, I love that. I love that. How did you get into the creative space? I'm really curious because... Obviously, you've, you're, 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 you've done many art forms or you're in mm. part of many art forms and you enjoy uh, express, expression, yeah, at least yeah, yeah. On, on, on those different realms of things. So how did, where did that spark come from to be like, yeah, I, I, I want to start pursuing yeah, some I mean, of the creative stuff? 
I think the, the, the biggest one, if I were to look at it like on a timeline, you know, I was in ninth grade when I did my very first TV show. I did a show with Sidney Poitier uh, called Children of the Dust, and it was a miniseries on CBS. Uh, it was my first role. The show got nominated for an Emmy, and I, you know, kind of started in the arts there. I didn't do a lot beforehand in like drama or anything like that. Yeah. I was always an, uh, uh, an artist trapped in a jock's body. Yeah. Uh, so sports were always there. So I think on paper, that's where it started. But truly, if I look at it, you know, and we're so much more comfortable talking about neurodivergent human beings nowadays. Everything's, you know, whether it's ADHD or, or anxiety, it could be a number of different things. I was undiagnosed with a lot of these as a youngster. Um, and so I think, you know, art itself became outlets for me to be able to still live in a neurotypical world. So, you know, having ADHD, the fact that I just, I didn't know that I needed to doodle uh, in order to also learn, you know, I didn't know that drawing and building things was actually helping my brain uh, stay calm, right? So a lot of, I think, the answers to trying to just exist properly pushed me into an artistic world. Uh, my dad is an artist uh, as mm. well. Uh, so for sure, family. And my dad's a painter. His stuff's in the art gallery right now. It got uh, juried uh, with the five artists, one love. Uh, so his stuff's up there. So beautiful. It's oh, amazing wow. That's painter. awesome. Mom's an artist. My, my uncle, Brett Miles, is a world-renowned saxophone player. He's played Miles Davis, Taylor Dane. Wow. Uh, my cousin, Roly Pemberton, a.k.a. Cadence Weapon, is a rapper. Uh, used to be a poet laureate in, in Edmonton. Yeah. So there's a lot of art around me as well. So it's always it's always been an option. And also, it's you're just surrounded by it. So for me, art... It's just kind of a part of my life, and it's also been medicine for my life. Mm, yeah, I love that. Yeah. And and how did how did the, the 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 journey of being you know you know you said you know sports has always been there. Um, what how did that play a role? Yeah. with the creative stuff. Yeah, you know it's that's fun. You know, so again, it's you know your environments and what you grow up. You can just as you get older, you can look back and just see like oh. I thought that was all me. It was not me. Yeah. You know, like my grandfather, <laughs> yeah. Roly Miles, that's his name. For those who followed the uh, former Edmonton Eskimos, now uh, the Elks, uh, he was a Hall of Fame. Um, Skona Park was named after him, the Roly Miles Athletic Park for three or four-time Grey Cup champion. Uh, sports were always there. My dad was an athlete. Mom was an athlete. But he was the first one to put me, Jess, you need to do sports. I, I, it's Olympics right now, so this is a good story. Uh, my mom tells me about the Olympics uh, don't even remember which ones, early 80s. Uh, I was watching gymnastics. Maybe I was five, six years old. Uh, and I went to the top of the basement stairs and I just looked at my mom in the eye and then I just tried to do a backflip down the basement stairs. Did not. Landed on my head, got a concussion. Oh. Uh, and then I'm in the <laughs> hospital and my grandpa's like, you need to put this boy in some sports. So I started off with gymnastics. <laughs> yeah. Did pretty well gymnastics, junior Olympics, which was pretty cool. And then moved into track and field and, and basketball and a bunch of other things. But sports for me, as I got better at track, it also became a stage. And that was my favorite part about it. You know, training, eh, it was great. I know I had to do it. The more I trained, the bigger the stage. So I understood what was the end of it. But I didn't love that as much as I did the thousands of people uh, in the stands signing autographs. And then it's time for you to jump. Like, so I was a high jumper. Yeah. And one of the most peaceful things, you know, at the beginning, you have thousands of people doing this clap like this and just speeds up. And everything's in unison. And you just go up to the bar, boom, 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 boom. boom. And then for like a split second, you're actually weightless floating don't hit the bar land and just, just ah. and the whole show that you put on yeah. is such a beautiful experience i could especially around olympic times i could still feel it like it was yesterday but you know the creativity and outfits you wear and how you carry yourself and what show you're going to put on was still a part of it and again artist in a jock's body it didn't matter if i was good at the sport i did want to create something beautiful you know mm, yeah i love that i love that 
And, and, and what, what kind of triggered you into, into being like, okay, well, you know, sports are there, but like now, you know, want to focus more on the creative realm of things. When did that start coming into fruition where you started pursuing those more yeah, strongly? That, well, I think it happened. It, it wasn't, it wasn't, it has never been binary for me. Right. So the through line has always been arts. Um, so I, I guess the best question is when did sports take a back seat? Yes. Right. Because art had always been and always was going to be. So yes. sports took a back seat in, right before the Athens Olympics. So I was training and then I had uh, what looked like a stroke. I actually ended up being a TIA. Uh, so I was training and then, you know, I couldn't, like my right eye had like a slow eclipse go over it. And then I couldn't feel my face and I was like slurring my speech and we went to the ER. They did the spinal tap. Uh, so they thought I was having a stroke at the time. Oh, wow. And then we didn't know what was happening. So my team was worried about me continuing. So we, they, we collectively decided we're not going to pursue the, the Olympic Games. I tried on my own. I was mm. stubborn. Uh, came up short that year. And that was a year when I was ranked sixth in the world. So it was like the best year. Uh, but then after that, it was a natural progression. I'm like, this This is actually an easy decision at this stage where yeah. I can put where I'm not just physically good at something, but where my mind, body, and soul wants to live. And so from that moment, it's been just art, 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 art. Yeah. Uh, I say that like it's just been smooth sailing. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. decided I was going to be an actor and it's been great. Yeah. Of course, this is a ridiculously hard industry. So it's yes. that plus sometimes I'm selling cars, sometimes I'm consulting, doing what I have to do. Yes. At this stage, it's a little bit more secure. But yeah, it's uh, that was the day where sports kind of took the backseat. Right. Uh, yeah. And it became art, art, art. Right. Now, with your, I guess, you know, you said you have a background in art, you know, you got family members in it. And did that give you, I guess, the, like the confidence to... You know, I mean, again, like you said, this industry is tough, right? And mm -hmm. people want to pursue being an actor or a creative or right. whatever that, whatever they want. It's very, very difficult. And it's and it's tough to see kind of a blueprint mm -hmm. of like, okay, this is what I got to do. Go to school, right. do this, and right. then get in there, right? right? It's not like that. So for you, you know, did you always have the, because of the art background was like, okay, cool. Like I have family members that have been there, done that. Yeah. Then it's it's all good. Like I, I think I can pursue this. And there, there wasn't really... Were there doubts about that, the path? To I mean, they might have had doubts. They didn't tell me necessarily. Mm, yeah, there wasn't yeah. pushback, like I've heard in many other families. Yes. Past, right? Like, so the pushback wasn't there. My uh, family allowed me to fail, for sure, allowed me to spread my wings and whatever happens. So, so emotional support and love had been there. And I think that's very key. Um, so that was for sure. There was yes. never like, don't do that. You shouldn't do that. Right. So I think that was a big chunk of allowing you to continue to do that. And it's really weird to me, actually, a parent. I, I'm a parent of three. I can't imagine my child being passionate about a thing uh, and me telling him not to do that and do something that you're not passionate about. But that's just me and the lens that I'm looking through. It seems weird. I can understand why sometimes the idea through one person's lens that I want my children to be secure and safe and live a life that has the least amount of pain. Uh, but then when I look at that, I say the least amount of pain would be doing the thing you're the most passionate about regardless of a financial outcome. Um, but so my parents also, that, they were that way, you know. Mm. Uh, I had some privileges, of course. I mean, I grew up in St. Albert. Nobody was rich, but it's St. Albert. And we live in Canada. So... You know, as much as there are some things that can go against me as being a large black man, I also understand the privileges that I, I still have. So I was able to do some of these things and take chances. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. And, and there were, so it, while you were coming up, were there any, you know, I guess doubts in terms of the, or insecurities in terms of like the career path or, right. you know, were you kind of more like, 
if I try this, I try this, and if it's not for me, I'll move on to the next type of thing? Or? No, every day. I yeah. still doubt it. Yeah. It's ridiculously hard. Yeah. I doubt it every single time. I mean, I have an audition, you know, every two or three times a week, and most of the time they say no to you, and you not just no, if you do an audition, you open everything up as authentic as you possibly can. You put all of your feelings on the table and you say, please like me, please. Yeah. Like me. And <laughs> yeah. then normally they don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> and you rinse and repeat this over and over. And then, of course, you you know, it's also a, a, a career where you get a gig. Then when you rap, you're unemployed again. Like unless you're doing a series, mm. you're constantly said no to and you're constantly unemployed. Mm. So doubts forever. And I'm constantly nervous, constantly anxious. Uh, but a lot of that feeds it too. There's some weird desire that I like that you can never really be complacent. You can't just sit back. Uh, and nobody owes you anything. You have to prove yourself. And then you have to always check, do I love it? And that check-in is always like so much I do. Yeah. Like I, I love it when I'm not booking. I love it when the job's over. I love it when I'm working and writing my own scripts and I'm not, maybe I don't make any money at all. It's fine. I know for sure it's not about money. I think when you find that thing, uh, and you can make some, you know? Mm, yeah. I love that. I love that. Man, that's, for me, I, 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 I really, I, I totally relate to you on that level because it's, there's something invigorating of the, uh, of the chase as well. Yeah. yeah and the yeah. chip, like I have a, you know, I feel like I have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, yeah. like competitiveness, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Playing ball, you know, growing up playing ball, you know, being in St. Albert, sure. being one of the only brown yeah, guys yeah, in St. Yeah, Albert, yeah. right? You I'm sure it. you're the you same, it. Yeah. you know? Um, and, and I, I feed off that as yeah. well. Where's the chip there from? It's, the chip has always been there. I feel like I've always wanted to do something great, yeah. Especially in the in in the realms that I like. If I'm if I'm playing ball, I always thought I'm going to make it to the NBA. Right, right, right. Brown, five sure. foot four, brown yeah. guy, going to yeah, make yeah. it. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I pursued it at that level. Right. Um, and now, same thing with you know the filmmaking stuff mm -hmm. and the rapping. It's like I see it. Yeah. I I, I think I'm there. Like yeah, I yeah. and I and I love having that. Like oh, you know, there's no way you can do it. And same thing. It's like being in Edmonton too, right? Yeah. Like I feel like. A lot of people, you know, there's this a little bit of a bubble of like, you know, there there is our, our creative industry starting to, you know, grow for sure. sure. There's a lot more people doing things, great things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I feel like there still is the thing of like, you can't make it here. Mm -hmm. You know, has anyone ever told you that? Have they told you you can't make it? I know I've had people that have told me to stop. Yeah. yeah they haven't yeah. told me like you can't make it. Yeah. Um, I've had my parents tell me all the time, right. what are you doing? Yeah. What do you what? say to them? And I'm saying this because I think there's a lot of people that people say that to. And oh, some, and yeah. Some, and some quit as a result, but you yeah. haven't. Yeah. I think I think there was, there, there was a lot of, I feel, um, just the sense of proving my dad wrong. Mm-hmm. Because actually, growing up, I actually didn't like my dad. My dad's very stern, military, conservative background. Right. Um, this whole creative realm just he doesn't understand it yeah, yeah. you know what i mean so as i started rapping and doing doing this stuff it was completely left field mm -hmm. and him saying that isn't a path mm -hmm. there is nothing there for you right you know you gotta stay into because i took I, I finished a biology degree right, right at the u of a yeah yeah and and that was one of those things of like i can do both right yeah, I, yeah. I can do it. And I wanted to prove him wrong mm -hmm. more so. And that that was kind of the fuel. And then afterwards, it kind of took over. And like I was like, you know what? I want to prove to myself sure. and prove to the world yeah, that I can, I can pursue this and make a career out Does of it. Does he have a favorite song of yours? Uh, I don't think so. No? I think he's, he's <laughs> he, I think he is low-key proud, yeah, cool. but he doesn't show it. That's fair. You know what I mean? Yeah. What, about I, you, what about you? I, well, I was going to say, too, this idea of when people say there's, that's not a path. I, and I, I find that somewhat humorous because uh, the next question, have you walked it? Like, 
You're telling mm-hmm. me it's not bad. You've actually never been down the path. Like if I'm ever looking for advice for anybody about anything I should or should not do, it's going to be from someone who's done the thing, not yeah. someone who's not done it or been scared to do it or think. You have to. You can't tell me what's in the room that you've never walked into. That's yeah, all, right? So, yeah, 100%. I, I, I just find that always interesting. It's usually, and usually it's the people closest to us that do that. They've never done it. And it's their own, they're bringing their own shit to it, right? Like, I didn't, I can't see it, therefore it doesn't exist, which is yes. the most dangerous thing ever, right? That is, yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. It As is. opposed to, you're seeing something I haven't seen, teach me. Mm. That, like, right? Like, there's yes. so much more there. That's like, is. I hope my kids are going to show me, like, I did not think that was a possibility. I'm not saying don't do it. I haven't walked it. So walk with me. Show me what we're going to see on this other side. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, I love that. I love that. And do you feel like, you know, being, you know, from Edmonton, you know, and obviously you're you're doing things. Do you feel a sense of you know? There's bigger, better, maybe opportunities in the creative space. Have you thought of you oh, know? Yes. Yeah, I was yes. gonna say I, this, I, obviously, right? This city is not the. This is not like the pick that I'm like. <laughs> you know what? Film, yeah. television, music, Edmonton. Yeah, right? yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I basically set myself up to make this very difficult. Yes. Um, but also there's priorities that existed with that. You know, I lived, so I went to school in Atlanta. I went to Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia. I was there for a good 10 years. Um, and after I graduated, I got a psychology degree, a neurobiology degree. After I graduated, the plan was like LA, uh, just straight up acting, let's go do my thing. Um, but I ended up coming home. And when I came home, uh, I met my first wife. We had kids, so home, roots. Uh, but always, and I talked about this just the other day, it, every time Emmys or Oscars come around, I get this like low level anxiety, depression, because I keep like, what am I doing here? Then as I get further in the career, I'm seeing my friends winning them. And I'm like, ah, we would, we to school together. We were to school. Like, I was like, geez. So there's always that feeling, yes. I know. But then it was also, it, if I can't do it here, like if I can't like ring it out till there's nothing left, then where am I going? Yeah. Um, but for sure, it's always been in the back of my mind. But as it turns out, uh, September, I'm, I'm out of here. So, yeah, 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 yeah. But kids are old enough now, so yeah. like, I, you know, I want to make sure that I don't miss any of those developmental years that are key. Uh, but now they're old enough where we can either both fly back and forth from Vancouver to here. Um, so excited about that chapter, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll dive into that a little bit later, yeah. I think. Um, so... You know, talk about. I want to talk about the music side a little sure. bit because yeah, yeah. I know we haven't we haven't died. Yeah, yeah. You know, where, you know, you, you obviously sing. Mm-hmm. Um, you're in the hip hop space. Used to be. It used sure. to be in the hip hop yeah, space. Still, man, you know, it's always there. <laughs> it's always going to be there. there yeah. yeah. So you know, talk to me about that. What you know, what what's inspired you in terms of the music space? You know, talk to me a little bit about, you know, we were talking before uh, off camera about, you know, the, the group that you were in. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I want to know sure. a little bit more about that. Yeah, music started pretty early, young. We would have, uh, there's a little fireplace in St. Albert. My mom would make microphones out of like foil and we do Star Search. So star, you're probably too young for Star Search. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. <laughs> so American Idol was Star Search well before. Okay. It'd be like Ed McMahon. Five stars for anyone over like 35, you know, what just <laughs> happened there. Uh, but that, like Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, all these yeah. people were on that before. It was like okay. that and the Apollo. Those are like the two. Showtime at the Apollo. Anyways, we would do our own Showtime at the Apollo, a.k.a. Star Search at home. And singing was always the thing. Loved it. Always loved it. Whole family loved it. When I went to university, my friends knew I loved musicals. And The Lion King came to, to do auditions. Uh, for the Broadway musical. So like, Jesse, you should come do this audition. So I went there not knowing anything about like actual professional musical theater stuff. So I get there just in like regular gear. I'm thinking I'm going to sing an Usher song. I have no idea. I'm like, I'll sing this Usher track. 
So, and I had to do a monologue. So I get there and they're like, uh, what song are you singing? I said, this Usher song. They'd never, they're like, no, you can't unless you have sheet music. I didn't know what the word sheet music was. I didn't Uh, know, this is how rookie I am. Business Council of Alberta's podcast called Alberta Better explores how we co-create a society where everyone can thrive through the lens of business. So have you ever wondered what it takes to create a good life in an equally good society? One where people, business, and the environment can flourish? Well, that's what Alberta Better wondered. Alberta Better is a journey to understand what it takes to create a good life here in Alberta and how we, as Albertans, businesses, and governments, can shape our society so everyone prospers. Check out Alberta Better today to hear their latest episodes on C-suite executives, and other business owners alike. Yeah. Uh, they're like, we'll sing one of these three songs. And the only song I recognize is Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And I sang it horribly. It was the worst thing ever. And my monologue was fine. But th- th- what happened here was very uh, pivotal in my life because it was like a live audition. And the judges who were there, so judges in a place of power, could have just said that, you know, you're, it's not good enough. You need to do some work. But they opted to like make a point of like making fun of me and oh. publicly and laughing, right? Like you should never sing again. And I was like, ah, and oh. I was crushed. Damn. Like I didn't sing again for almost seven years out loud, even alone. Like I did not even sing one time. Wow. And I love music so much. Uh, and I just didn't sing. Um, and then, like I mentioned, my first wife, uh, Shannon, when we got together, she, she knew. She was actually a family friend. She knew I loved singing. And she said, hey, it's time to slay the lion, like slay the lion king. So knowing I love Canadian Idol and American Idol, she's like, Canadian Idol's coming. Um, she could sing her ass off too. So she's like, I'll do Media Idol, which was like all the media celebrities in the country, uh, just kind of like a side piece uh, uh, competition. And she's like, you do, just do it and let's just see. So I did it. Um, and, you know, I did fine. I, you know, I made it a top 30 in it. But the interesting part, my training for this thing, I would go karaoke by myself every Wednesday at B Street Bar. Shout out to Brad. Um, and I'd go in and I'd sing. Then I'd go to the car and I'd bawl. I'd be crying. I was so embarrassed. But then I'd go again and I'd go again until I wasn't crying so much. And then I went to like hypnotherapy. Like I was like, I loved it so much. But it was that one moment that was so crushing. And it because every mm. time I get up there, I could hear it. Um, but I knew I loved it because, you know, it's like if you want to if you love something, the question is like, how long will you suffer for it? That's how you know. Right? And I could see how much I would suffer to get to be able to get back on stage. And then for me, I'm like, music is a part of my life regardless. So I got to that spot where I, I mean, I still want to throw up and I sweat. I'm so nervous before every time I sing. But it's manageable and that's good. But I love it so much that I'm okay going through all of that yeah. I went through. So, you know, music for me, that's like the journey started that way. But that's why I was writing for people. You know, it was behind the scenes. You know, so I wrote for a bunch of friends in Atlanta and different places. And I would write for their, because uh, I could, writing was something I could do. I could meet someone and we could talk through some stuff and I felt really comfortable that way. Uh, but then fast forward a bunch of years and I'm like, it's time for me to do my own music. And so the first single that I did uh, was called I'm Sorry I'm Late. It was a love letter to music talking mm. about that, you know, like I, I know you and I'm sorry I'm late, but I'm here. Um, I've been there the whole time and all these excuses. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I'm here now. And so that was the first single and I put it on a, a movie called It's Not My Fault and I Don't Care Anyway. And that was you know, it's time to start. And I started writing my album. Um, and that's what's happening now is I'm releasing some singles and having some fun with different genres. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. But the, you know, what's really interesting about that is, is, is the bar story. I really mm-hmm. love that. Oh, yeah. You would go, yeah. go in, sing your piece, come back to the car, 
and then go in and that just shows like your relentlessness yeah you know what i mean and i don't think a lot of people who a lot of people wouldn't do that Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like that's very very intriguing to me and and i love that you said that like you know how how much are you willing to suffer for it it's a real yeah i know it's and and there's so many tests to check midway through this someone uh asked me to sing the national anthem um at the 10-year anniversary for 9-11 at the Eskimo Elks game versus Stampeders. Um, That's another thing, too. What what do we say now? Do we say just straight up Elks, like it's the Elks team? Do we say the team formerly known as (laughs) in this transition period? (laughs) We're not playing right now. It's kind of weird. Right? Like, you know what I mean? I'm fully in favor of the switch, but I'm always finding myself like the team formerly, like it's Prince, like the team formerly known as. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, so, so they asked me to sing the national anthem. And that was another one where I have like in front of like a full stadium. Wow. I've never sung one at all, even in front of like a hockey game. But of course, the answer is yes, because yes, I do. Do I want to? Of course I want to. Yeah. Do I want to do great? Yes. So why would I say no? Because I'm freaked out, super scared. Uh, so I said, yeah. And I, this is, I remember I was so, you know, the thought of doing the thing where you get YouTubed. And I remember they, <laughs> they, had, they had me the microphone and I cannot think of the first line. I can't think of it. <gasps> no if, way. If you see a video, I went to my phone and I, this is me before the music's about to start. I'm Googling Oh Canada lyrics. Oh my and then God. As soon as it was time and I didn't get them, but it just came in my mind. I just, it, it was, yeah. I was Googling the lyrics in the middle of the field. Whoosh. Wow. That was, that's crazy. Yeah, it was, it was did, did you did did you do well? Yeah, I did yeah, fine. Okay, okay. I was gonna fine. say I mean, yeah. it was. It wasn't on YouTube and be like, look at this guy. No, no, no. I mean, obviously, I'd look at him like, sure, I was a little tight. I could have relaxed more, but it was fine. It was fine. Wow, man, yeah. that's crazy. That's crazy. I think I, I think there's a there's a lesson to be taught there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like a lot of people don't even get to that point. Like, they don't even get to the starting point of even being able to have the balls to say yes to something like that, even yeah. though they might want that thing. Absolutely. That's this is. This is one of, uh, like one of the, I think my favorite chapters in the book I'm writing, The Art of Doing. Um, and that is what it is, The Art of Doing. It, it, it is more than just, we see people who are doing a lot of things and for whatever reason say, I couldn't do that because, or I want to, but how at the same time easy it is to make that motion and momentum, but also understanding why it's difficult for yourself. Like, why is it so hard to do that one thing? And what is it? And we have excuses versus reasons, which I think are the same thing. I might look at you and say, that's an excuse. You're saying it's a reason. All that is, in my opinion, is uh, an excuse with emotions attached, right? So you put mm. emotions attached, like it's a full reason. This is why I'm not doing it today. I was gonna, but I'm not because. I'm. It might be I gotta research more or I have to learn this thing more. Yeah. Like, but really, just do the thing. There's nothing better than the thing to actually now let's dissect that, right? It's, mm. And it's gonna be the worst thing you made if it's the first one, most likely. So make the crappy thing, get it out of the way so you can get some good stuff, right? Mm. But yeah, the art of doing, it's kind of like just feeds my life. I know that I'm not expecting anywhere near to perfection at any point, as I, especially if I do something new. Mm. Uh, I'm just expecting to get some experience that could never be gained by reading, by listening to someone else. It's experience of me doing the thing. And then I can look back and change and switch and see where I need to fix some things. But we miss out on a lot by being a little scared. Uh, you know, that's fear. Mm. But there's bumper stickers for reasons. Everything on the other side of fear is amazing. Yeah. Everything on the other side of hard is amazing. Mm. Nothing is all the amazing stuff's on the other side. Yeah. 
And we know that. So like search for fear, search for difficulty, search for like some rough spots. Because yeah. everything is better on the other side. Yeah. Even if you get to fight with your loved one, on the other side is amazing. You're mm. tighter, you're more connected. So I'm like always looking not to fight with my beautiful wife, but, <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah. What I was saying, it's like on the other side of it, it's like, wow, I wish we could have just talked this through, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. And I feel like especially it's so true in the creative space. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that myself personally, just like, you know, doing the first 10 episodes of this podcast, yeah. it was garbage. Yeah. We, we, were, we had we had GoPros in the in the room. It was an, like an interrogation room. The lighting wasn't good. Like it was in my old office. For no, sure. No but people heat. liked it, right? There I were, mean, there were people who liked it. Yeah. That's I mean, what I mean. It started with our friends. Yeah. yeah it was yeah. like, yo, check out this podcast. Mm -hmm, it was me mm -hmm. and you know, the homies, right? right? Just talking about yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. And then slowly, like people were saying, like we got into you know a new space. We got started getting some notable notable people yeah, on, yeah, and yeah. then all of a sudden, people are like, "Oh, like, yo, the production's crazy." Yeah, and it's like, well, I went through a hundred episodes right, to get to right, this right. polished, you know, uh -huh. clean audio, clean video, and it's like, and th there was nothing after. You know what I'm saying? Like at those probably the first sixty episodes, there was nothing. It's, well, the neat part about that is the, the internet is, has peripheral vision. I can't see that. I, I stumbled upon you because we started doing another project, and then I looked you up, and I yeah. saw your production value. I'm like, this stuff's tight. He's tight. He's great. That's all. That was what I got. Yeah. But, yeah, but yeah. I don't get that if you don't do this. But I don't see this. You don't see yeah, Right? Yeah, and, yeah. and the great stuff gets seen because it's great, and the crappy stuff won't. And that's great. Mm. It's not good. So nobody saw it. Yes. It's such a nice, like, instant finding out, did I make something special? Yeah. You know? Like, you get some yeah. feedback and analytics real fast. And uh, yeah, and, and even with the like, especially because the creative stuff, the music, mm -hmm. the art, it's so expressive, right? And I feel like that's why people have a hard time doing the bad to get to the good. Right, right, right. right. Starting the thing, being bad at seeing right, yeah. to be great at it. Yeah, maybe I won't even retract on that because it's not that it's bad. It's yeah, just yeah, yeah. evolving, right, and changing yeah. it. But it represents where you were, which mm -hmm. is important. And we're often trying to be somewhere else before we're there. Right. So I think it's actually not that it's bad. It's honest. And sometimes honest is ugly, though. And that, mm. then we try to skip ugly. Yeah. Right. We want to get to what I saw from what you're doing now. That's right. Right. And so right. and you have to be honest with yourself to say I'm not there yet. And that also means I have to do this, this and this. And I don't then then like, do I want to suffer that hard? Do I really want it? Yeah. And that's why I'm like, how long will you suffer for the thing? But yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love that, man. Because yeah, it, it just makes so much sense. And yeah. it's tough, especially nowadays, right? Like, I mean, there's so many people in, well, I mean, it's more exposed on social now. Mm -hmm. You know, like you said, you look at my stuff and it's like, wow, this yeah. stuff's high quality, right? right? Right. And that might make you or like someone else, it might make them feel insecure. Like, oh, I want to do that thing. But look. Yeah. So that's great. If it does, we found what the problem with starter was. It was actually insecurity. It had nothing else to do with it. Yeah. So then that's where the work goes. This yeah. is the beauty of that. Like if you can actually find out what those things are, yeah. work on them. Right. So look at this. Here's the ugly. I'm insecure. Other people's good work makes me feel bad. We should work on that before we start making stuff. Because that's going to that'll follow us, right? So if we could be honest with ourselves and be honest with the cracks in ourselves, and I think especially like yourself and myself as we do things publicly, that we're not just talking about the shiny stuff, yes. right? So that other people could see the cracks and that, you know, I, I cry in the car after karaoke because I was so embarrassed, right? Or how anxious and barfy I get before I speak even now. Um, and talking about the mistakes we're making right now it helps people understand that you don't have to start as this... Actually, you never are. You never are that shiny ball. 
social media does that other thing too, where it looks like all the time. Right? Yes. Um, and I try my best to be as authentic as possible, but I st- obviously I still fall into that. I, uh, it's easier to post something when you're in a good mood. Of course. Right. Just yeah, like, I don't yeah. just don't feel like posting right now, yeah. but I sometimes try to post in those moments as well. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's, you know, it's a responsibility for uh, people who we know, if they know people look up to us, we should ensure we're being authentic, mm-hmm. real, with the cracks, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think people, people, people jive with that a lot more yeah. now, nowadays, yeah. right? You can't really, it's, it's tough to, 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 to just put up that front and people be like, oh yeah, like I, you yeah. Know, a lot of the stuff that we listen to or watch, we like because of the vulnerability and the That's right. authenticity yeah, of yeah, that yeah. person. I think we all know it. Yeah. But it's another thing to do it. It's another thing to do it. But I, because I agree with you. I think that's where you get rapport. You see, like, I can relate with this person, or even if I can't, I can empathize with them or at least sympathize with them. Uh, and then I want to know more, right? Yes. But back in the day, it used to be this, you know, untouchables. That was the way. Like, the Hollywood way was you never let anyone behind the curtains, right? Mm-hmm. Like you interviews wouldn't be like that. Now most of our celebrity stars were in their kitchen with them or hanging out with their kids. I like that version yeah. much better, you know, yes. getting to see real people. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. It lets you know like, Hey, we're all real people. So this is just an option. We could do this. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. Man. Um, I kind of want to switch gears a little switch bit. Switch away, man. Yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. Um, make it awkward. Yes. Let's talk about it. Okay. All right. I know you've obviously have talked about this before in the past. It, it, it's been kind of there, but I want to touch on it because mm-hmm. I think it's an important part of your story. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I want you to speak on it. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 one of the things that uh, you know fell into my lap in a way. Uh, you know, I was on my own business, doing a TV shows, doing a commercial with Great Edmonton, and then obviously. Uh, Alberta showed its colors and decided to do what it did, uh, spew some racial slurs my way. But the interesting part about it was there was such an uh, immense amount of attention that came to that one video. So unexpected, right? If I knew how to create viral videos like that, man, you and I would be doing some (laughs) other things, right? Another level. level. (laughs) But I wasn't expecting all of that. But with it, I was very aware of what that is. And and so the, the thought was, what do we do with all of this to make sure it's not actually just about what happened to me because that what happened to me happens to marginalized people across the board so trying to create this platform at the time an online conversation at the time or a safe space at the time for people to have their stories listened to and believed in a place that could be curated right just that i know that if it's a make it awkward thing we can talk about our real life ex- lived experiences and then that grew obviously into doing events and, and speaking and having a team and um and of course, it's a it's a part of my everyday life. It's grown well past me. It's a it's a team. It's a community uh, that really is makes it very much their priority to ensure that they can be uh, an activist for someone else, an everyday ally, to make sure that it's my job to make sure that you can walk through life a little easier if I have a privilege that you might not have. Just that idea of ensuring that I'm keeping my eyes out for things I might not have, uh, ensuring that I'm always learning. You know, even. Uh, lately, I'm probably very early in my ableist journey, ableist language. We live in a pretty ableist world, you know, and how many times you even mentioned it just today, like you, you said the word crazy, right? And for, for me now, I hear these that I would never have heard before. Like there's not, like there's actually no one here that had a neurodivergent no, no one's crazy. It's actually just a wild thing. Yes. But like how like words can affect any people. We talk about colorblind, like, no, you could see. Blind people aren't uh, inherently racist. Like we, yes. we're not tone deaf. You could actually hear very well. Like just all these little things. But they, for me, I like them. I just keep leveling up and learning, uh, which is amazing because then it allows me to get more connected to people that I might not have before. And it makes sense 
given that, you know, connections, like I said from the beginning, is like my thing. I'm yeah. able to connect more if I go that extra mile to learn more, uh, to not have any defensiveness when I'm l taught something new or if I've made an error, showing the cracks publicly. So, you know, make it awkward. It's different for everybody. Uh, I'm very happy that I had a hand in making it what it is, but I love watching what it's become and, you know, the different people in the community who are doing their own things with it. Uh, it feels...